Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. There are lots of podcasts out there, aren't there? So thank you for choosing this one. I do really appreciate that because your time is precious. And also, if you've been posting ratings and reviews of a favorable nature in your podcast app, particularly Apple Podcasts, thank you so much for doing that. On the blind side, we are returning to the Samsung Galaxy S8 for part two. It is not the end. There is more coming, but this is part two of our blind person's guide to the Galaxy. We took a break last week from it because the iPhone 10 was released. We've had an overwhelming amount of response to that podcast, so I'm glad that so many people enjoyed it. A weekend, I'm really liking the iPhone 10. I find that Face ID is working exceptionally well for me, and I don't really have to think about it now. I kind of hold the phone in front of me, unlock it, and swipe up with my thumb at the same time, and it all just sort of happens. What's also interesting is using it with apps where you can authenticate, such as my banking app and PayPal. I just have the phone out in front of me when I launch the app, and it sees my face and goes ahead and lets me in. It is pretty slick. Not everybody has had that kind of success with the phone. I have been emailed by a lot of people who have been having some challenges getting used to Face ID. And I do my best to help people where I can. The trouble is, of course, that Apple don't pay me to support their products and I got to make a living. So it is my inclination to try and help people. But I just Unfortunately, I just can't respond to everybody's emails at length who have questions about the iPhone 10. So I do encourage you to do any number of the following things. You can, of course, contact Apple Accessibility. Their email address is accessibility at apple.com. In some markets, they also have a toll-free number. You should be able to search for that. But anyone can email them, accessibility at apple.com. You can also join the blind phones list. This is an email list that I started a few weeks ago where any phone and app for a phone is on topic. It allows you to see I have to stand up now, but I'm not going to stand up because I'm talking to you. That's my Apple Watch pinging at me. It allows you to discuss the relative merits of iOS and Android or Samsung versus Google Pixel versus Huawei or whatever, iPhone 8 versus iPhone 10. You can do all sorts of comparisons if you're having issues with a particular app for your smartphone or you want to find out how to do something with your smartphone, maybe become more familiar with your camera. As long as it relates to the use of a phone, then it is on topic for the blind phones list. It is completely platform agnostic. And I think having a place that you can go to to compare notes about different phones is really important. If that grabs you and you are not on the blind phones list already, here's the email address to subscribe. You just send a blank email to blindphones plus subscribe at groups.io. That's all joined together. Blind phones, the plus symbol, subscribe at groups.io. The third thing you can do, I have produced, because of all of these emails that I've received over the last little while, a free getting started guide to iPhone 10 from a blind person's perspective. I hope that it will be helpful and where I have new information or I can think of a better way of explaining something or someone has suggested to me a better way of explaining something, I'd update the post so it's got a nice easy to remember permanent URL. You can find it 
and it is free, at mosin.org slash iPhone 10. And remember, the 10 in this case is spelt Roman numerals, so it's the letter X. mosin.org slash iPhone X, all joined together to get the iPhone 10 getting started guide from a blind person's perspective. The final thing you can do, of course, is make sure that you have iOS 11 without the I. We're not too far away from releasing the second edition of that. It's very imminent. It's just $19.95. If you got the first edition and you kept your receipts, then downloading the second edition will be an automated process. Be sure to be either following Mosin Consulting on Twitter, to have liked us, our page on Facebook, or subscribed to the Mosin Consulting announcements list, and I'll let you know when the second edition of iOS 11 without the I is released. So I hope that some or all of those resources will help you. If you're thinking about getting an iPhone 10 or you have one now and you're struggling with it, hopefully we'll be able to help things move along a little bit. Before we get back to the Galaxy S8, one more thing. We talked a few weeks ago on the blind side about Mushroom FM, which is the internet radio station that I manage. And at 3 a.m. and p.m. every weekday, that's Eastern U.S. time, you can go to the Mushroom FM schedule page to find out when that is in your time zone. If it is not U.S. Eastern time where you are, I host a daily show every weekday called The Smorgasbord. And it's predominantly a music show, but I've been trying something that really has worked well. I'm getting stunning feedback on this, so we're going to keep doing it. And that is amid the music, and Mushroom FM plays music from the 50s to the 80s, we're taking the opportunity every day to bring you up to date with the latest in tech news. As part of my job and trying to keep current with technology trends, I read a lot of tech news. And so what I'm doing is grabbing some tech items of interest and talking to you about them on this show and explaining what they may mean from a blindness perspective. So if you like music from the 50s to the 80s, nice and retro, but with a bit of cutting-edge technology thrown in, then I hope that you'll give the smorgasbord a listen, 3 a.m. and p.m. Eastern Time, every weekday on Mushroom FM. You can ask pretty much any smart thing to play it for you. You can find it in the Victory to Stream. You can find it in apps like TuneIn and OOTunes, and you can also... Go online and find it on the web at mushroomfm.com, where there's a great team of broadcasters doing some cool stuff. Mushroomfm.com. Our place, our issues. The Blind Side with Jonathan Mosen. In the Blind Side Podcast 60, I unboxed and set up a Samsung Galaxy S8. That recording was made some time ago. And so I have had some opportunity to use the Samsung Galaxy S8. As I said in that podcast, typically I have used Android devices strictly for accessibility testing only, rather than try to use them as a primary device because of the high level of frustration I feel with the Angular talkback gestures. I spend a lot of time trying to make them work rather than getting things done, and I just don't have time for that. And despite lots and lots of practice, I just haven't been able to crack it personally. The Samsung Galaxy S8, however, uses a different gesture set. It uses a different screen reader. And indeed, this is one of the advantages of Android, is that there are so many options that you have at your disposal, ranging from the launcher, in other words, how your screens will look, uh, to different applications that do core functions on your phone that embed right into the operating system. 
to screen readers, in this case Samsung bundling their own screen reader with their devices. And so I have been using the Samsung Galaxy S8 quite a bit, and I've been enjoying the experience. I will say right from the outset that I don't think it is as polished an experience as iOS. Things like the Actions Rotor, when it's working as it should, just give you a little bit of efficiency that I find valuable. Also, it's fair to say, of course, that if you've been using a platform primarily for a long time, you've really got to have an incentive to change. It's not just the user interface that you're used to, although that is, of course, a big factor because your brain gets trained and you just use these functions as second nature. But it's also that you will have invested a lot of money in the ecosystem that you've adopted over the years. So in the many years now that I've been using an iPhone for, I have spent a lot of money on apps. Most apps don't allow you to cross-grade from the iOS version of the app to the Android version if one is available. So that is a factor. There's got to be something that has either really annoyed you about your current platform or that is a huge incentive about the platform you're looking at migrating to that would make you want to switch. And while Apple has tested my patience with things like the 3.5 headphone jack, some of the quality control issues, I still feel that overall they have a very high quality user experience that I find satisfactory most of the time. But as I said in episode 60, choice is a very important thing. It's nice to be able to switch platforms like everybody else. I hope this podcast will help you to determine whether this product might be viable in your day-to-day life. It is not a user guide. It is not a tutorial of Mosin Consulting tutorial standards that teaches you how to use the product. It's just a demonstration. Let me also say before we start this, that there will be times when I'll be summoning Google's Assistant. And I will use the keyword from time to time to do that. I'm not going to use it now because I'm going to say, take some time if you need to, to put headphones on to listen to the podcast. If you have an Android device nearby, if you are listening on an Android device, then you will want to plug headphones in so that I don't inadvertently trip your Google devices. It's really difficult not to use the command when demonstrating, so I just want to give you that warning. Let's give you a bit of a description of the device. We kind of went haywire when we unboxed it, but here are some specific hard facts for you. The dimensions of the product, the Galaxy S8, we're looking at 148.9 by 68.1 by 8 millimeters. That is 5.86 by 2.68 by 0.31 inches. It weighs 155 grams, a nice light little phone that is 5.47 ounces. Now, it currently runs Android 7.0 Nougat. And of course, this is a big issue for Android in general, known as fragmentation, where when a new version of Android is released, it can take a long time, if ever, for a manufacturer to catch up and update the operating system to the latest version of Android. And that is a compelling reason to go with the Google-branded phones like the Nexus and more recently the Pixel because the moment a new version of the operating system drops, you will get that on the Google-branded devices. A version of Oreo, the latest version of Android 8.0 and soon to be 8.1, is in beta in some markets now for the Samsung Galaxy S8. So I think you can conclude that they have heard that feedback and they're trying to do a better job of making sure that they get you on the current version of Android as soon as possible. 
Now, there may be some accessibility benefits in making sure you are keeping up with the latest version of Android. However, a lot of key applications are not bundled with the operating system itself. So if you want to get a new version of VoiceOver, for example, you're going to have to download a new build of iOS in the Apple world, and VoiceOver is baked into the operating system. That's not necessarily the case in Android. If you can get by with TalkBack, and some people do, you can upgrade your version of TalkBack from the Play Store when one is available without having to download a new version of the operating system. And a lot of other core apps are the same way. If there's an update to the mail application or the calendar application, you don't need to wait until the operating system is updated to get all those updates. They can be pushed to you in an update just like any other application. So that is a real selling point. Going back to the specs, there is 64 gigabytes of storage available on the device. And as we saw when we unboxed the device, you can add additional storage through the SD card slot all the way up to 256 gigabytes. So that's 256 gigs plus 64 gigs. That gives you a lot of onboard storage. And on my model, that SD card slot, the, the micro SD card slot is next to the nano SIM slot. Tucked away, you have to pop out the tray and you will find both slots there. It sports a 5.8-inch screen, so it's the same size as the iPhone Plus model screens, but similar to iPhone X, the edge-to-edge display, the lack of bezels, means you're getting it in a much smaller form factor than the Plus-sized iPhones. It has 4 gigabytes of RAM on board, so that can really help you with performance. It has a 12-megapixel camera on its back, and the front-facing camera for selfies and video calls is 8 megapixels with autofocus. You've got a 3000 milliamp battery in this thing. It is also IP68 certified, and that should mean that it's dust and waterproof over 1.5 meters and for 30 minutes. Now, one of the reasons why apologists for or advocates for Apple say they had to take the headphone jack away was the dust and water resistance. And yet here we are, a phone that has equal, at least, dust and water resistance to iPhones, sporting a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack right in the base of the phone. And I can't tell you what a difference that makes to me personally, having that headphone jack there. Wi-Fi is here, of course, up to 802.11ac. Bluetooth is 5.0. It has an NFC chip, and of course, being Android, the NFC chip is open, so you can use a range of functions with this. You can have applications that might do things like unlock a hotel room door, doing cool things like that. And of course, there are various payment technologies that are possible with NFC, including Samsung's own Samsung Pay. There's a USB-C port on the bottom of the device, and that's a reversible plug, so it's very easy to connect. It doesn't matter which way you put it in. It's similar in that regard to Lightning, but of course USB-C is an open standard, and that does make it easier if you have a whole bunch of devices that take USB-C to charge things. Now, it also supports Qi wireless charging. I understand not in all markets, but... Certainly the Samsung Galaxy S8 that I have here supports Qi wireless charging. This is the same standard that Apple has now adopted. It has been around in the Android world for quite some time now. So as is often the case, Apple takes a while to jump on board with some of this technology. The fact that 
both my iPhone 10 and my Galaxy S8 support Qi wireless charging is very handy. Here in the studio, I have a Qi charger set up. And when the iPhone needs a bit of charge, I just drop it onto the charger. When the Galaxy S8 needs a bit of charge, I drop it onto the same charger. So it's incredibly convenient. The Galaxy S8, as well as supporting the Google Assistant that is built into Android, also has a thing called Bixby, which we'll have a good play with. And that offers some very interesting commands, particularly from an accessibility point of view. Before I got really going with the S8, I had to get a lot of my content from my iPhone onto the S8. And these days, that is a really simple process. The best way that I've found to do this is to download the relatively new and improved Google Drive app onto your iPhone. And you sign in with your Google account. If you don't have a Google account, well, you'll need to have one to really work in the Android world effectively. You're given the opportunity to create one when you set up an Android device. Sign in with the Google account, and then you can go to the menu and choose backup. This is all on your iPhone. And when you do that, you're given a bunch of content that you can choose from, or you can choose to back up all the content that Google Drive will support in terms of the backup process. When that process starts, it can take a while, especially if you have a lot of stuff that you want to back up. So you may want to leave it overnight doing its thing if necessary. The cool thing is, though, that when it's done, all you have to do is sign into your Google account on your Android device and contacts and calendar information and other critical data, I think photos and, and other things. It's all there. And it's just as simple as that. And then you can concentrate on the user experience, learning a new phone without having to worry about missing out on all of your key information. The Galaxy S8 is in the studio, it's powered up, it's on standby at the moment, and I now have it connected to the mixer, so I'll tap the power button, and now it gives me the time, tells me to swipe with two fingers to unlock the screen, and as you can hear, I have got Eloquence running on this. This is a version of Eloquence that is supplied by Code Factory, and it served me well. I've had this Eloquence running on the various Android devices I've used over the last many years. And also, of course, if you heard the demonstration of the Sony Bravia TV on the blind side earlier in the year, you'll know we have eloquence on the TV, thanks to this purchase that we made from Code Factory. So after all that explanation, the phone's gone to sleep again. We'll power it up. And we can flick through the lock screen. And there are some notifications. Now I'm going to just put my finger on the fingerprint sensor. And it was as simple as that. It said device unlocked. The fingerprint sensor on the Galaxy S8 is on the back of the phone, just to the left of the camera. And it seems to work well enough. Now the eloquent speech is pretty fast for a demo. So we're going to slow that down. This introduces us to the three-finger swipe left and right in Voice Assistant, the Galaxy S8 screen reader. So I'm going to flick right with three fingers. This is a bit like audio ducking, and uh, it sometimes works well and it sometimes doesn't. We can see the volume of the speech here. And there's the speech rate. So now that speech rate is selected, I can simply flick down. 55%. 50%. 45%. 40%. 35%. I think that's reasonable. We'll flick right with three fingers to see what else is available here. Punctuation off. 
and we can choose from on, off. So punctuation is either on or off, and it doesn't wrap. So you flick up once to get to on, you flick down to go to off again. Let's do a three finger flick right again. Dark screen off. And this is your screen curtain equivalent for those coming from iOS. I'll enable this by flicking up one. On. Dark and screen turned on. Dark screen is turned on. We'll flick right with three fingers. Notification off. This is an easy way to get to notifications. There are others. In fact, I have the Galaxy S8 set up now so that you can swipe down on the fingerprint sensor when the phone is unlocked to bring down notifications, which is a really cool feature. But you can go here as well and just by flicking up. On. Notification shade. And there's your notification shade. Let's flick right with three fingers. Sound feedback off. Now, the phone is nice and quiet at the moment. I find that when I turn sound feedback on, the phone is way too jingly. And I find that with Android phones in general, actually. So if I switch it on now, on. and now we flick back with three fingers. Notification on. And I'll flick right. 0806, first item, bottom, Facebook, Facebook, New Zealand, clear all. Clock notification, clear all. I'm going to clear all notifications. And let's flick down to turn notifications off. Off. And a three-finger flick, right? Vibration feedback off. Vibration feedback is currently off. I think I'll enable that because I do quite like the haptic feedback you get when that is on. On. And now I'll flick right. Focus on speech audio off. And now we've wrapped around again. You can configure what you see in this menu, and we'll show you that in just a moment. You have the choice about whether your page one that you default to on your home screen is a list of apps, is the first page of your apps, or whether you want to customize it with particular apps and widgets. Your app screens in Android can be quite dynamic in the sense that you can not only have apps on your screen, but you can also have widgets that might display real-time information, such as sports scores and weather, other information like that. You do have widgets in iOS, but of course they are confined to the one screen, the Today View, which is not where you see your list of apps. I'm going to flick up with two fingers to get to page one of my apps. App screen, page one of three. And I've got three pages of apps at the moment, and I can just flick right through them. Samsung folder, Google folder. Microsoft Apps Folder, Play Store. I can, of course, just also explore by touch, just dragging my fingers around the screen. Now, if I want to go home, there is a virtual home button at the bottom of the screen where you would expect a home button to be. Samsung used to have physical home buttons on their Galaxy series. They've abandoned that now. But the virtual button is where you would expect to find the physical one. So I find it very easy to always find it. Home button. There's the home button right in the center at the bottom and I can double tap. Home screen, page one of three. Default. You can also double tap and hold the home button and that will bring up your Google Assistant screen, which is quite useful. I've got mine set up so that I can summon it. So I can say, okay, Google, how's the weather looking outside? Google Assistant. Currently in Wellington, it's 53 and mostly sunny. Today, it'll be cloudy, with a forecast high of 59 and a low of 48. Somehow, I have not got that set to Celsius. Something I have changed recently has given that in Fahrenheit, which I don't understand, but we won't worry about that for now. So we can also say things like, OK, Google, how did the New Zealand cricket team do today? New Zealand lost to India. They lost by six runs. 
Whoa, that was a nail biter, I'm sure. The Google search is something I've always really admired. And one of the things that I think we should also admire Google for is that a lot of their very attractive offerings are available on iOS anyway. So you can use the Google Assistant, you can use Google Maps and YouTube and a lot of the other Google apps on iOS. But of course, here it's built into the operating system. I find that as a rule, Google Assistant gives me much better information, much more direct answers to questions than does Siri. Now, sometimes Siri comes up trumps and it does a really good job, but I get more meaningful answers from Google more often than I do with Siri. Last year in iOS 10, I guess in response to Alexa and Google Assistant and some of these very capable voice assistants, Apple loosened things up a little bit by introducing SiriKit, and this allows third-party applications to engage with Siri. But there are specific categories of app that will work with SiriKit. And if there's an app you want to use that does not fit in to any of those categories, then there's nothing you or the app developer can do about it. Imagine how much easier it would be in iOS if you could just ask your radio app of choice to play a song for you or a radio station for you. Or if you could just open a book in Kindle or Voice Dream or Audible or whatever you happen to use, all from Siri. You can do that sort of thing in Android because it is way more open and friendly to third-party developers. So I've got the S8 lying on my desk here at the moment, and all I have to do is say, okay, Google, play Mushroom FM on TuneIn Radio. All right, here's Mushroom FM on TuneIn. Now I'm going to stop that process, but then the TuneIn app opens, Mushroom FM starts to play, and there's lots of examples of this where you've got integration with apps. For example, you can do the same with Spotify. You can't do that with Spotify on iOS and on and on it goes. So Google has a pretty impressive voice assistant. And as we will learn later, it is only one of the voice assistants built right into a Galaxy S8. And you can perform system-related functions as a result, functions which Apple precludes third-party applications from offering in iOS. So we can say things like, OK, Google, open accessibility settings. Opening accessibility settings. And let's just take a look at what's here for voice assistant and other things. Back button. Back button. Last recent button. Home button. Back button. Back button, last item. So I'm currently at the bottom of the screen because, as you will remember, I double-tapped the home button. So we're in that area. That area has focus. I'm just going to touch the screen somewhere in the top of the screen area. Dexterity and interaction. And flick left. Hearing. Vision. Vision is first. We'll double-tap. Double-tap. Vision. Showing items 1 to 8 of 17. And I'll flick to the right. Navigate up button. Vision. Voice assistant on. Double tap to select. Voice assistant is, of course, on. Voice assistant help. Double tap to select. If we double tap this, we'll get back into the tutorial that we saw when we unboxed the Galaxy S8. Dark screen. Keep the screen turned off at all times for privacy. Double press the power key to turn this function on or off. On switch. Double tap to toggle. So not only can you use the menu that we showed you earlier, but you can also just double tap the power button. Dark screen turned off. Dark screen is off. We'll double tap the power button again. 
Dark screen turned on. And it's Lock on. And I accidentally locked the phone there because I found the button a bit hard to press twice quickly enough. So we'll unlock. Screen turned off. Oh, I wasn't quick enough there. Swipe with the device unlocked. Vision. So I just unlocked with the ID sensor, the fingerprint sensor on the back. Rapid key input. Use the Samsung keyboard and the keypad by tapping keys once. On switch. Double tap the toggle. In iOS land, we would call this touch typing mode, and it just means that you don't have to double tap every key when this is on. I certainly prefer that to be on. There is no equivalent of direct touch typing, and I don't know how many people use direct touch typing in iOS, but that's where you just simply tap the keys. If you've got a really good memory for where everything is on the virtual keyboard, boy, can you get some good speeds with direct touch typing, and that's not available here. Speak passwords. Set your device to read the characters allowed as you enter your passwords. Before entering passwords, connect headphones or go to private locations so that passwords cannot be heard by others. Off switch. Double tap to select. I would not want to have that on, but if you have trouble with passwords, then you can enable this feature and you'll get verbal feedback about what you're typing in, even in password fields. Accessibility shortcut. Turn on your accessibility features more quickly with a two-step shortcut. Double tap to toggle. I'll double tap this. Accessibility shortcut. Navigate up button. Accessibility shortcut. On switch. When this feature is on, you can quickly turn on accessibility features in two steps. One, press and hold the power key until you hear a sound or feel a vibration. Two, press and hold with two fingers until you hear audio confirmation. If the device has multiple users, using this shortcut on the lock screen temporarily turns on accessibility until the device is unlocked. So that's how that works. Now I can introduce you to another very handy gesture. We can go to the back button, of course, and double tap that, or just single tap with four fingers. Simple as that. A four-finger single tap. Vision. Showing items 1 to 8 of 17. And we're back to the previous screen. Speak passwords. Set your accessibility on switch. Voice label. Write voice recordings to NFC tags to provide you with information. This is a very good use of the unlocked near-field communication NFC chip. The idea here is that you can get blank NFC tags. NFC is much less directional than some other alternatives like barcodes. So it does have some blindness advantages in that regard. You can record onto these blank NFC tags, little voice recordings, and attach them to things. So this could be very useful if you have a wardrobe where maybe you have a lot of distinct patterns and colors and some things just don't go with some other things. So you can put instructional information on items of clothing, for example. You can attach the NFC tag that you've recorded and you just wave the phone, tap the phone on the tag and it will immediately speak that information that you've recorded. Now, there are apps all over the place that will do this sort of thing, but it's kind of nice to see that Samsung have built this functionality right into their screen reading product. I'll flick to the right. Screen zoom and font, medium, small, default. Double tap to select. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, so we'll keep going here. High contrast fonts, adjust the color and outline of fonts to increase the contrast with the background. Off switch. High contrast keyboard, adjust the size of the Samsung keyboard and change its colors to increase the contrast between the keys and the background. Off switch. Show button shapes, show buttons with shaded backgrounds to make them stand out. Off switch. Magnifier window, magnify content shown on the screen. Off switch. Magnification gestures. Use gestures to magnify content on the screen. Off switch. Large mouse slash touchpad pointer. Off switch. Grayscale. Off switch. Negative colors. Off switch. Color adjustment. Off. Color adjustment. Off. Last item. 
We're at the last Double item now. And if I flick right again, navigate up button. Vision. you will find that we've wrapped, which is a bit of a different experience from, say, iOS. So you've wrapped back to the top and you can keep flicking right through the items that we just heard. So there are some blindness and low vision related features on this page. I should also add that you can go into help and practice your gestures for the Samsung Galaxy. So let's see if we can do that. I'll just Voice tap. Assistant help. Dark, it, there it assistant is. Help. Double tap. Voice assistant help. Showing items one to nine of nine. Navigate up button. Voice assistant help. Touch interaction practice header. Voice assistant test pad. Practice voice assistant gestures on the test pad. So we'll do that. We'll double, double tap. Select. Yep. Voice assistant test pad. Now we can practice, and it's kind of fun to have a look at the gestures and what they do. Thank you. Got another notification coming in there. I'm going to tap with one finger. Tap with one finger. Device will read aloud item under your finger. Now we'll double tap. Double tap with one finger. Device will perform action relevant to selected item or turn on edit mode. Can we triple tap? Double tap. Tap with one finger. Device will no, read aloud item under your finger. So let's do a two finger tap. Nothing happens there. Two finger double tap. Double tap with two fingers. Device will stop or restart current action. Now, if you are coming from iOS, you'll be happy about this. This is kind of like the magic tap in iOS, and it does work very nicely in most situations that I've seen. If I'm listening to music or something like that, I can do a two-finger double tap. It pauses audio. I can get on with things. A two-finger double tap again resumes it, so that's most welcome. What happens if we do a two-finger triple tap? Triple tap with two fingers. Status bar information such as time and date, signal strength, Bluetooth, and battery power will be read aloud. You can explore the status bar at the very top of the screen, but if you just want a summary of the status bar, then you can do this gesture, a two-finger triple tap. And I don't think we can do any more two-finger gestures. Tap four times with two fingers. Oh. Turn on or off voice feedback. Yes, all right. So you can actually turn off voice feedback with a two-finger quadruple tap. We can't do any more, can we? No. All right, let's try uh, tapping with three fingers. Tap with three fingers. Read all items aloud from the top of the screen. Now, another very welcome gesture. Let's double tap with three fingers. Double tap with three fingers. Read items on the screen aloud in order after the currently selected item. That is a gesture that I use all the time in iOS, which is, of course, a two-finger flick down. And so it's just so good to have a say all so conveniently available with just a three-finger double tap. Triple tap with three fingers. The device will spell out the last piece of voice feedback and copy it to the clipboard. That's also one that, of course, iOS users will be familiar with. And we can't do a three-finger quadruple tap. So let's move on to four fingers now and do a single tap. Single tap with four fingers. Go back, cancel, or close pop-up. That's really useful. It's even easier, I think, than the two-finger scrub on iOS. Just do a four-finger single tap, and you've gone back. A four-finger double tap. Double tap with four fingers. Go to the home screen. And I've gotten to the habit of using that all the time. I don't go looking for the home button, although it is pretty prominent and easy to find, but I just find the four-finger double tap gesture so much easier. Triple tap with four fingers. List recent apps. That gets you into the list of recent apps, what iOS users would think of as the app switcher. You can close apps from there and get other information. And you can also close all apps at once, which is a great feature. And I think that covers it. Yes, we can't do a four-finger quadruple tap. You can also, of course, do other gestures. For example, if we swipe left with two fingers. Swipe left with two fingers. Navigate pages on the screen or cut selected text while edit mode is on. And similarly... 
Swipe right with two fingers. Navigate pages on the screen or paste selected text while edit mode is on. We can swipe up and down. Swipe upwards with two fingers. Scroll down list or copy selected text while edit mode is on. Swipe downwards with two fingers. Scroll up list or select all text within the currently highlighted text field while edit mode is on. If we flick left with three fingers. Swipe left with three fingers. Select the previous contextual setting. That's the contextual setting that we were looking at earlier. Swipe right with three fingers. Select the next contextual setting. If we swipe up with three fingers. Swipe upwards with three fingers. Select the previous granularity option. And down. Swipe downwards with three fingers. Select the next granularity option. So this is interesting. It's kind of like Samsung have got the rotor concept, but they've separated it into two quite logical categories. We'll have a look at that in just a second. And you can't swipe left, right, up or down with four fingers. And as they say in the infomercials, but wait, there's more. Swipe quickly upwards and downwards with one finger. The device will highlight the first item on the current screen or move the text cursor to the top of the current screen. So that's a little bit like if you are coming from iOS, it's kind of like the scrub gesture up and down, but just with one finger. And then, of course, you can do the reverse down and up. Swipe quickly downwards and upwards with one finger. The device will highlight the last item on the current screen or move the text cursor to the bottom of the current screen. We can also go left, right in the same way. So we'll go left, right with one finger. Swipe quickly left and right with one finger. Device will scroll upwards through the content. And the other way, right then left. Swipe quickly right and left with one finger. Device will scroll downwards through the content. There are some tap and hold gestures. So if I double tap and hold with one finger. Double tap and hold with one finger. You will be able to move or drag icon. And if I double tap and hold with two. Double tap and hold with two fingers. Device will switch to selection mode. I'm going to locate the back button now. Exit button. Exit. Oh, there's the exit button on the bottom right of the screen. Voice assistant help. Now let's explore this three-finger flicking up and down. So we got the contextual stuff by performing a three-finger left and right. If we perform a three-finger up now, paragraphs. we're navigating by paragraphs, lines, words, characters, and back to characters, paragraph, lines, words, characters. Some very logical, simple, good user interface design here. Now we're back in the voice assistant help screen, so I'm going to perform a four-finger single tap to go back. Vision. Showing items 1 to 8 of 17. And... Navigate up button. Vision. Voice assistant on. Double tap to select. I am going to double tap because there are some options in here, so we'll double tap. Voice assistant. Navigate up button. Voice assistant. Settings button. There's a settings button. Double tap to select. There are some explanations here too. On switch. Give voice feedback. For example, hear what you can interact with on each screen. Tap items to select them and hear what they are. Double tap an item to perform the related action. Scroll with two fingers. Let's go back. On switch. Settings button. To settings. Double tap to select. We Double will do tap that. Double tap to long press. Voice assistant settings. Showing items 1 to 9 of 21. Navigate up button. Voice assistant settings. Speech volume. Match media volume. Text to speech. You can change the text-to-speech engine. Currently, it's using the Android system default, which I have set to Eloquence. There are a lot of options. Samsung's text-to-speech is pretty good. Some people like the more natural-sounding speech. There's also Google's TTS voices. I also have the vocalizer Daniel voice here, which Code Factory have also made available. So there are a lot of speech options available. Let's flick right. Pitch changes. Set voice feedback to use a different pitch when you're entering text with the keyboard. On switch. Read keyboard input aloud. Screen keyboard only. Double tap to select. I find this quite limiting. So I would like to be able to have 
the keyboard echo by words when I'm using the Bluetooth keyboard, but it's either on, echoing by characters, or completely off at this point. Speed while screen off. Read notifications aloud while the screen is off. Off switch. Mute with proximity sensor. Mute voice feedback when the proximity sensor is covered. On switch. That's on at the moment, and I find that by tapping with two fingers, I can silence speech, same as iOS, but if I wave my hand in front of the proximity sensor at the top of the phone, that will also mute it, so just to make it talk, there we go, and I just waved my hand, sort of put the palm of my hand in the general direction of the top of the phone, and it stopped talking. With shape for continuous reading, off. Double tap to select. I always find the shake my phone for continuous reading thing a bit ridiculous, to be honest. I don't want to have to shake my phone every time I want to do a continuous read because I use that gesture all the time for emails, for reading web pages, and and on it goes. And just shaking the phone all the time to do such a a core function is not something that appeals to me. Read caller ID loud on switch. Double tap the toggle. That's self-explanatory and very welcome. Phonetic alphabet. When reading letters aloud, use the corresponding word from the phonetic alphabet instead of the letter name. On switch. Double tap the toggle. That can certainly help people with hearing impairments, for sure. Usage hints. Read usage hints aloud after a brief delay when you swipe to focus on an item. On switch. Double tap the toggle. We are hearing those hints at the moment, of course. Normally, I would disable them. Vibration feedback. On switch. Double tap the toggle. Usage hints. Vibration. Sound feedback. Off switch. Focus on speech audio. Reduce the volume of other audio while voice assistant reads aloud. Off switch. Now we're seeing some of the items that you can get to with a three-finger flick left and right from anywhere in the system, and we'll show you how to customize that in just a minute. Sound feedback volume. 50% of media volume. Disabled. Large cursor. Off switch. Cursor color. Blue. Quick menu. Select functions and settings to be shown when you swipe left or right with three fingers. Double tap to select. I'm going to double tap this, and we'll have a look at the options that are available in the quick menu, and you can customize this. Quick menu. Showing items 1 to 11 of 11. 11 choices. Navigate up button. Quick menu. Speech volume. On switch. Speech rate. On switch. Punctuation. On switch. Double tap the toggle. I probably don't want the punctuation on the quick menu, so I can speed things up by turning it off. To do so, I'll double tap. Off. And continue to flick right. Dark screen. On switch. Large cursor. Off switch. Now, as a totally blind guy, I'm not going to want the large cursor, so it's currently off. Cursor color, off switch. Notification, on switch. Sound feedback, on switch. Vibration feedback, on switch. Rapid key input, off switch. Focus on speech audio, on switch. Focus on speech audio, on switch. Last item. And we have the end of the menu there, so I'm going to perform a four-finger single tap. Voice assistant settings. To get back. Cursor color, blue. Quick menu, manage custom labels. Double tap to select. Let's have a look at what happens if we go in here. Manage custom labels. Navigate up button. Manage custom labels. Custom labels will be shown here. While voice assistant is on, create a custom label by tapping an icon, button, or tab, then double tapping and holding with three fingers anywhere on the screen. If you are in an app and you find that it is saying button, 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 we don't like that, do we? And you have some sighted assistance or you work out for yourself by finding out what the button does, you can go ahead and create custom labels that will make the app, at least for you, more accessible. Let's perform a four-finger single tap. Voice assistant settings. And we're out of there. I'm going to perform another four-finger single tap. Voice assistant. And another four-finger single tap. 
Vision. Showing items 1 to 8 of 17. And I think we'll do another four-finger single tap. Accessibility. Showing items 1 to 11 of 18. Let's have a quick look at what other accessibility settings there are. Vision. Hearing. Dexterity and interaction. More settings. Header. Text-to-speech. Direction lock. Unlock the screen by swiping in a series of directions. Direct access. Add shortcuts to specific settings and functions. Notification reminder. Off. Answering and ending calls. I want to go in double here tap to select. because this is very handy. Or double tap. Answering and ending calls. Showing items 1 to 5 or 5. Navigate up. Answering and ending calls. Answer calls. Header. Press volume up to answer calls. On switch. Double tap to toggle. Pretty neat. When the phone rings, all you have to do is press the volume up button and you have answered the call. Automatic answering. Answer incoming calls automatically after two seconds while the headset or a Bluetooth device is connected. Off switch. End calls. Header. Press power key to end calls. On switch. Double tap the toggle. Pretty good user interface here. So volume up to answer. The power button ends the call. Press power key to end calls. On switch. Navigate up button. And that's what's in here. We'll double tap to select. Perform a four finger single tap to get back. Accessibility. Showing items 1 to 11 of 18. Let me tap the center of the screen. Direction lock. Unlock this. Direct access. Notification reminder. Off. Answering and ending. Single tap mode. Use a single tap instead of a swipe to respond to alarms, alerts, and incoming calls. Off switch. Double tap to select. If you become really proficient with your device, that single tap mode can be a very nice feature to experiment with. Manage accessibility. Import and export your accessibility settings or share them with other devices. Services. Header. Talk back. Off. Select to speak. Off. Switch access. Off. Grill back. Off. Looking for something else? And that's a very brief overview of the accessibility settings. As you heard there, if you would like to try TalkBack and compare the difference between Voice Assistant and TalkBack, you can download TalkBack from the Play Store. The one thing that I found when using TalkBack is that if you want to change screen readers, Voice Assistant is very forgiving about letting you do that. You can actually launch TalkBack while Voice Assistant is running. And Voice Assistant will say, if you want to launch TalkBack, you've got to quit Voice Assistant. Is that what you want to do? And you say, yes, I do. And TalkBack starts to work. It's really seamless. You can do a similar thing going the other way with one caveat. And that is that if you turn the dark screen mode on in TalkBack, which I have found incredibly buggy, I found that dialogues pop up on the screen when dark screen mode is on and it just gets the phone into some sort of state where it says that it can't see the screen. And that's what happens if you have the dark screen mode on. So for security purposes, no one can see your screen and you try to switch back from talk back to voice assistance. You can go one way, but not the other, unless you, of course, disable TalkBack's dark screen mode. And then it's a similarly convenient process. I already have the fingerprint sensor set up on the essays and I find that works really well. I also have a pin and that obviously is no problem to enter and you need that pin in order to set up the other security measures. There are a number of ways in which you can authenticate yourself with the phone. So you're not just limited to one. You can use the fingerprint, you can use face, well they don't call it face ID, I think they just call it something like facial recognition. Let's have a look at how easy it is to set up the facial recognition, given that we spent quite a bit of time taking a look at Face ID on the iPhone 10. Okay, Google, open settings. Google Assistant. Settings. 
We'll flick through the options here. Advanced features, games, yeah, one-handed mode. I tapped the part Double of the screen where I know this is roughly located. Device maintenance, battery, apps, default app, wallpapers and themes, lock screen and security, lock screen, face recognition, fingerprints, iris. Double tap to select. Let's double tap. Lock screen and security. Showing items 1 to 10 of 21. Navigate up button. Lock screen. Search button. Phone security. Header. Screen lock type. Pin. Fingerprints. Double tap to select. Currently my screen lock type is set to pin and fingerprint. One of the things that I really do find quite cool about this phone is that they think about the use case where you may be at home, you may be in a pretty safe environment. And so you can have your phone automatically unlock in certain locations. I, for example, really don't mind if my phone unlocks when I'm at home. I have no difficulty with Bonnie picking up my phone and unlocking it if she needs to. So it's got to be an option, of course, but I'm quite happy for the phone to be unlockable without any kind of authentication based on my location. I'd only set it in a safe environment like home, but it's nice to have that choice just to speed the whole process up. Face recognition. Register your face. Double tap to select. Let's give this a shot. I'm going to double tap. Keyboard shown. Confirm pin. Now it's asking me for my pin, so I'll enter the pin, pause the recording, of course. I've entered my pin, and now I need to locate the OK button or the Done button on the right-hand side of the screen. Done. There Keyboard it is. Hidden. Settings. Face. And I just had to single tap that. The Done button responds to the keyboard that you've got set up. So in my case, I've got the touch typing mode on, and so I just had to single tap the Done button. Let's flick right. Get ready to unlock your phone by showing your face. For best results, set up face recognition indoors or away from direct sunlight. Continue button. Okay, let's see if I can do this without disconnecting from the mixer. I just need to be off mic a little bit, or the mic will obscure the vision of my face. I'm not getting any feedback. Let's flick around the screen. 0% hold your phone 20 to 50 centimeters from your face. Position your face in the circle shown on the screen. First item. Okay, I believe I should be about right. Settings. Couldn't register face. All right, we'll try it again. Couldn't register face. Face not recognized. Front cancel button. Retry button. Face. 0% hold your phone 20 to 50 centimeters from your face. Position your face in the circle shown on the screen. First item. Settings. Faster recognition. It looks like it might be done. Faster recognition. On switch. Turn on for faster recognition. Turn off to increase security and make it harder to unlock using an image or video. So that's the OK button. Turn on face unlock. And yes, we want to turn this on. Turn on face unlock. Your face has been registered. Turn on face. Unlock to use your biometrics or your pin to unlock your phone. Not now button. Turn on button. All right. Face recognition. Showing items 1 to 6 of 6. Now I'm going to power off the phone. Screen turns off. Lock screen and security. And we'll look at this thing and power it back on again. 0940 device unlocked. Lock screen and security. Ooh. Oh, that Showing was fast. Item. Okay, now... On this demonstration, I have mentioned a couple of occasions where Apple has caught up with other technology manufacturers. 
What Apple has done with Face ID is not one of those occasions. It will take manufacturers quite some time, some are estimating a couple of years, before they catch up with the amazing job that Apple has done with Face ID. So there are two options available with this kind of recognition on the S8. The one that we just used is facial recognition, and it's not secure. Everybody knows it isn't. It's widely agreed by the manufacturers that it's not secure. There has been some sort of facial recognition available in Android itself since the ice cream sandwich day. So we're going back a few revisions of Android now. And Samsung have done their own thing to some extent, and they've refined it a little bit. As you heard, it's really quick. However, it's quite easy to fool. You can hold up a photograph of your face to the camera, and chances are that it might unlock. So there is a second option in the Samsung Galaxy S8, and this is iris scanning. It's a little bit more similar to Apple's Face ID than what we just used in the sense that they are using some infrared technology. You've got to get your iris exactly in the sweet spot. And I'm saying iris singular because your left iris will be different from your right iris. So you have to choose the iris that you want to scan and make sure that it's in the sweet spot. And I have had a play with this and I personally haven't been able to do it. Now, that's not to say that a blind person can't do it full stop. It could be because I'm just not getting it right. It could be the nature of my congenital blindness, but I can't get iris scanning to work. Iris scanning is quite precise, but it is a lot more secure than Samsung's default face recognition technology, which is really there for convenience only. And it does work really quite well, but nothing really matches the many criteria that Apple are doing to measure your face when they take a scan of your face using Face ID. So it's very secure and it's also very fast. So I think Apple does win hands down there. But if you're at home and you want to use facial recognition, it is quite a nice quick way to unlock your phone. Although that said, it's probably just as convenient to rest your hand on the back of the phone, rest your finger on the fingerprint sensor, and the phone will unlock. And as I mentioned before, there are locations that you can set where your phone unlocks itself. Before we wrap up for this week, and we will be returning to the Galaxy S8 next week, there are a couple of general Android-related things that I want to emphasize because I think they are a real advantage of Android. And the first is connecting an Android device to your PC. So I have the S8 and my PC up in the mixer at the moment. And I have a dock here in the studio with all kinds of cables protruding from it. One of which is a USB Type-C cable. This is one of the reversible type cables. Really easy to insert because you can insert them either way. And of course, this is compatible with the S8. So I'm going to pick up the S8 and I'm going to plug the... USB-C into the bottom. Charging started. Battery power 50%. New notification from autoplay. Galaxy S8. Select to choose what happens with this device. A couple of things happened there. You heard eloquence on the S8 say that charging had started. You heard the sound of the PC indicating that a connection had been established and the Windows autoplay message that we could deal with if we wished to. And so that's straightforward enough. Now let's go to File Explorer. I'll press Windows E to do that. File Explorer. Items view multi-select list box. I'll press Shift Tab to get to the tree view. Tree view. And now I'm going to press the letter G. Galaxy S8 closed. Find and the there 12. it is. The Galaxy S8 is right here as a drive 
on my computer. So I'll open that up. Galaxy S8 opened. Three. Phone closed. One of one. I'll press the right arrow to open that. Phone open. Nine. Four. Alarms closed. Android closed. DCIM closed. Dogcatcher closed. Download closed. Now, Dogcatcher is a podcast app. Here's downloads. DS Audio closed. Eloquence TTS closed. DS Audio is the name of the app that I use with my Synology network attached storage device. So it's all here and you can copy information very easily just by doing a copy and paste. You don't have to worry with an app that has varying degrees of accessibility depending on what time of year it is or whatever. This is just a simple process of copying and pasting. If you've got over 300 gigs of storage, which is certainly conceivable if you have the 64 gigs of storage and a 256 gig SD card, then it's really easy if you've got a lot of music to just do a copy and paste. Your directory structure, if you prefer to browse that way, can be preserved and everything just copies across as if you were copying to a drive. That is absolutely fantastic. Another thing I'd like to point out this week, just before we go, is the Google Play Store and two very important features from an accessibility point of view. As we'll see next week when we get into using some third-party and built-in apps on the device, the Google Play Store is, of course, accessible, but some people prefer to do browsing on the web, and we can do that. Search box edit. We'll go to Google Chrome. Check Google Chrome. Untitled Google Chrome. Mosin Consulting Blindness. Here we go. And then we'll go to address it. play.google.com. Google Play. And there it is. Chrome is nice and fast, isn't it? Three and regions. Nine. Works great with JAWS. Now I am on the Google Play Store and I can search for an app. So let's say I'm looking for the Be My Eyes app. I'll press E to go to the edit field. Search edit combo. Search edit combo. I pressed enter to turn forms mode on and now I can type be my eyes and press enter. Navigation region. And what I find useful to do is now to search for the name of the app I just searched for. So I'll press control F. Jaws find dialogue. Find what? And I'll just type my eyes. Link be my eyes helping the blind. There it is. Link be my eyes. Free button. And there's the free button. So I'll press enter on that. Main region. Free button. Free button. Free button. Now I'm being asked enter your password password edit for my Google Play password, which is of course the password associated with my Google account. I'll type that in and press enter. Heading level one, hi Jonathan. And now I'm being asked choose a device. And let's see what we have. Vodafone Samsung SMG 950F button menu collapsed. Cancel button. Vodafone Samsung SMG 950F button menu collapsed. If I press enter here, dialog. Vodafone Samsung SMG 950F button menu. Now I can browse through the options. Vodafone Samsung SMG 950F button menu. Vodafone Samsung SMG 950F last used. November 8, 2017 button. No carry a Sony Bravia 4KGB. This item is not compatible with your device. Button. So it sees the Sony Bravia and says, look, be my eyes isn't going to work on your TV. Skinny Huawei Nexus 6P last used. And we can choose the Huawei Nexus 6P. It tells me that it's on skinny. And I don't want to install it there. So we'll go back up. No, Vodafone Samsung. S choose the Samsung. Be my eyes, Google. And now. Vodafone's cancel button. Install button. We choose the install button. Dialog. Please wait clickable. Be my eyes, Google Play. Dialog. Be my eyes helping the blind will be installed on your device soon. OK button. And that's all there is to it. So if you prefer to browse for an app on your PC and just search around the Google Play Store, you can do that when you choose to install the Google Play account that you're logged in with will see uh, devices that are associated with that account and you can push to any of them where the app is compatible. It's smart enough to know when an app 
is not. When you choose this, next time your phone is switched on, if it's not switched on at the moment, it will push the app from the Google Play Store to your phone. It's as simple as that. You don't have to be. We, we happen to be cabled to the mixer at the moment because I was showing you what the phone is like as a drive. But that has absolutely nothing to do with this. The process of getting an app pushed to your device is totally wireless and just relies on you being logged in to your Google Play account. Now, by this time, I expect the app will be there. Let's just see if we can find it. Page 303, ASD Mobile, Tweet, Sono, Spotify, Dogcatcher, Shuttle, The Old Reader, Outlook, Aquaradio, Aquamail, Aquamail Pro, Speedist, Easy Accessibility, Robohoolet, Feed Explorer, ETI Eloquence, Teat, TuneIn Radio, Be My Eyes. And there it is. Double tap to select. The Be My Eyes app is now installed on my device, and it's as simple as that. The final thing I want to mention is that we've all been there, right? We have downloaded an app, and it sounded really good, and we want to be able to use it, and we find that it's not accessible. If you are in that position with Apple, you will have to contact the iTunes store and ask for a refund. Normally, I've found that if you explain you bought an app and it's not accessible with VoiceOver and you want a refund, they will eventually process a refund. But with the Google Play Store, you have up to two hours after the purchase of the app to use the Google Play Store app on your device to get a refund, and the whole process is automated and instant. If you later buy that app a second time, then you can't get a refund again. So if you got a refund for accessibility reasons, you want to make very sure that the app now really is accessible before you buy it a second time. You can also contact Google after that two-hour period and ask them to intervene. And I believe there's about a 48-hour grace period for refunding. So it's very generous. That automated process is something I have used a lot in my Android using career, where I've used an app to find that it really just doesn't work out and I get a refund. And it's it really does liberate you to try apps and know that if they don't work out, then you can get a refund right away. We'll continue to look at the Galaxy S8 next week, including Bixby and a number of other apps. But a reminder, if you want to discuss this podcast or indeed any phone related podcast that we've done on the blind side get some general advice about smartphones then the blind phones list is the place to be ios android any other phone platform most welcome and you can subscribe by sending a blank email to blindphones plus subscribe at groups.io thanks for listening to the blind side a production of mosin consulting on the web at mosin.org.